Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Right, I'm back. It is 2020 and... Yeah, last week's podcast was a little lacking in energy, I felt. I listened to it and I thought, Ian must be poorly, which it transpired he was. He had a touch of the flu. So I'm going to give you the market report for week commencing 13th of January 2020. And I'm going to sound very excited all the way through. And then I'm going to be talking through the rest of uh, what comes into our minds with Webby. And we can see how lively we can make him in the rest of that talk. So good morning, Ian. Morning. Still slightly man fluy as well, Andrew, but go easy. Most people would have been uh, still running and exercising. And Anyway, right, let's start with... Uh, what should we start with? We'll start with wheat, because we like talking about wheat. Um, there's lots happened in the wheat market. The whole dynamic has changed in terms of pricing. If you look at the futures market, you normally, for the last three or four years, five, six years, you can look at it, you can take £7 off the November futures to come up with an ex-farm value. That's called the basis. Well, the basis value has changed because... Our farmer friends are not engaging with the market. They are not really in the mind to sell. Obviously, they're dedicatedly looking out at the fields every day, waiting for another chance to drill. And they've got nothing else on their minds and no days off doing something where they eat and drink too much and get a bit fat. So here we sit with not many people selling it. And there seems to be quite a lot of people trying to buy it. The consumers perhaps haven't got as much cover as normal because of Brexit and all the uncertainty and the thought that they might be buying it cheaper. And the trade is in a situation where some of them have committed to consumers and because the farmers haven't come forward, they are chasing the market a little bit. So if I told you that normally January wheat trades at one to two pounds over the January futures price in Norfolk and it is trading at five to five pounds fifty over... Then you see the dynamic of the ex-farm price creeping up versus the futures price. So it is a, a change that we all need to be aware of. And that has moved through into the new crop. We'll come on to that in a minute. But the dynamic of new crop is obviously altered by the size of the crop that's coming. We have had an autumn that has continuously had rain, even when there were two weeks forecast for dry. Somehow, out of nowhere, an inch of rain fell and nobody could get on any further. There's bits going in but it is not enough yet. So let's talk prices. Ex-farm wheat for January is 145, which is a £5 ramp up from where it was in December. And that's a good, a good jump. Still not enough really to tempt many people out of the woodwork. Let's all remember that 2019 harvest produced a big enough crop for there to be a surplus. And therefore the surplus has to go either out of the country on boats, which we had just about competitive or it just about breaks even at the price I've just quoted to get onto a boat or it has to be carried into new crop and we've got lots of people saying oh I'm going to carry mine into new crop but the reality is old crop wheat for July is the same price as November ex-farm feed wheat so you've got to hold it six or seven months just to get the same price which means that a lot of farmers are saying they're going to keep it but they probably won't. 
The only real benefit of all of this misery in terms of planting is the fact that everybody's sheds for next year will not be full. So there is some space for people to carry wheat across. So it does give farmers an option to carry it, even if they're not doing any thinking about it. They aren't under pressure to have to clear the shed out. So 145x farm for January feed wheat. If you took that through to May, you'd make um, the magic 150 or 155x for July if you can carry it to the last month of the year if you do have to empty your shed. Those are good prices and they are square and fair value against export and I don't see them going up that much unless new crop steams up and then we come to that relationship between old and new crop which we'll report as I say in a second. So moving on to the harvest values for next season. Harvest delivered store 150 It sounds really kind of good to me. Actually, into one of our stores, immediate movement, the same day you cut it, that actually is a slight discount price to what you're going to be receiving if you're delivering it to a local consumer. The difference between the prices is the convenience of being able to just drop it in without touching the floor at your farm. So if you take, as the the best example of new crop values, the November price, I mentioned about the futures normally having a £7 premium to X-Farm values, I would put for new crop the basis to be £5 discount at the moment, and maybe sometimes, depending on who's in there buying, £4. But I would say at this point, with North Futures around 162 the X-Farm value for November is 157 So if you were selling harvest movement wheat, and you weren't desperate for it to move within two minutes of it actually coming off the off the combine then you probably wouldn't be you'd you'd be 150x farm quite easily but it would have to wait a week or two to get a consumer home another thing i want to mention about wheat is one of the key benefits of carrying old crop in a year where the quality is really good can sometimes pay you dividend as well because if new crop had problems with shallow roots through a very wet autumn and a very dry summer, you might have low kiloweights, or you might have a wet harvest next year and low kiloweights. And having some old crop carried over will save you significant amounts of money on quality claims. So that may be another encouragement or another financial inducement to make some more people carry it, if their cash flow is capable of doing so. So that's enough about wheat. There's an interesting new dynamic, and all of us have to change our pricing and have to change the way we think on the basis of what's happening around us. Old crop will come back down to more sensible levels against the futures because there is a surplus. The leader of everything is new crop. New crop has got a very small crop. We're going to discuss that in our little conversation in a little while, the size of the crop and the assessment of it. So moving on from wheat, feed barley, very boring, very cheap. X farm for February 122 it's kind of two pounds better than we were talking last time we spoke. There isn't that many places for it to go. There is the odd boat. I just don't see it changing or moving. Even though wheat is kind of going up, uh, it isn't. And there is too much of it. And there is a surplus of spring barley hanging around as well. So I'm afraid I can't see a lot of excitement in that. Maybe a pound, maybe two. Who knows? But it's not going to change your life, I don't think. Unless, again, new crop steams through the roof. It is a £23 discount to wheat, which is a significant amount. New Year feed barley, there's going to be so much barley next year, we've got to strategically plan our storage. Is there going to be lots of export? Hopefully, yes. I would put a nominal value of 120x for harvest movement. Do I want to buy it into store and pay some haulage on that? Not really. So I'm going to keep reasonably 
low-key about that subject because it's such a big discount to the wheat prices already. I can't see it going a lot lower, but I can't see a lot of gold being made by taking it into store, paying farmers for it, paying storage and paying haulage out and then paying the charges for loading a boat. I don't see any money in it. So let's see how that one evolves. There is going to be, I am told, a very, very large spring barley crop in the ground. The only thing I would say to that And I've said many times in the past, the only benefit of oldness is wiseness and experience. Therefore, it isn't planted yet. The spring barley is not in the ground. And everyone is assuming a lovely, warm, sunny spring. And let's face it, the autumn could have been a lovely, warm, sunny autumn, and it wasn't. So the spring could do just the same thing. So let's discuss this one in three months' time and just see how much spring barley has been planted and just how low the prices are then. So, that leads on to Ian's favourite subject. I'm going to pass across to him for oilseed rape and the very good news of the wonderful advice he gave all the way through the season. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, rapeseed, again, has had a huge surge. We've probably, I think we picked up another €10 in the week. Futures values, we've surged and we've seen contract highs. We're at €420, which is um, mega values. I've got to admit, I didn't, I mean, thanks for the praise, but I didn't think it was going to be quite as aggressively firm as where it is now. But you did spend your life telling us that it would go from 320 to hold out for 330. Yeah, and we're now 340. Yeah, so which do I say you're wrong or do I say, do you know what? There must be some people, £10 a tonne, happy with your advice. And now they're, ten, now they're £10 sad because they sold it at 3.30 and in fact it went to 3.40. The frustrating side about the rapeseed market is if today's currency value was the same as what it was in August, we'd probably be trading at values about 380x farm. We did at the time historically say, look guys, think about options, you know, as you sell the physical buy an one, option. One or two people did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, and again, it's worked probably to the tune of £10 a tonne premium or bonus on top of um, where people are selling flat at the moment so it's yeah please please with that yeah you must be very I mean all right Webby you have to there's loads of people who spend all their life telling you how rubbish you are and the advice you gave them was wrong because they can't admit that in fact it wasn't their idea if if it's right but the best thing about the podcast and the worst if we ever get it howlingly wrong is if you say something to people and it's actually recorded and everyone discusses it and it goes from 320 and you say don't sell it which has historically been a good price and it goes to 330 do you know what that's 10 pounds per ton that is that's money and the bonus is bigger and so on and so on and so you know you need to be a little bit more no i'm pleased it's good good result i'm uh i don't think it ends here though andrew you think it keeps going up? I heard it, heard it here first. No, it does. It's, it is in it is in a frenzied mode. I've got to say, I think there's very limited numbers of sellers frenzied. out there. Frenzied. Yeah, it mode. is. It is. I mean, but the whole the whole complex, the palm oil market has gone through the roof. Soybean oil is firm. Crush margins very good. The biodiesel market is on fire. Where is demand destruction? And that's the question everyone's scratching their head about. And uh, I think if it comes low, I think everyone would jump in and buy it. So. Yeah, where's what's the next target? Three fifty. With a conservative hat on, I'd say if people haven't, and I did say this last week, if haven't people haven't sold anything, I think they should do something. And we have been taking some profits on options, like we said, just reducing some of the exposure. But no, I, I do feel onwards and upwards still. Okay, great. Well, take the bow for getting it right. Now, yep, I can see a chart that goes up on a daily basis, two euros a ton, as being one that is definitely surging. It's also very sparse in terms of where is the seed. Lots of people are doing head scratching, saying, 
if I wanted to go and buy a lot of physical seed, where is it? And I think we're getting to that point probably three months earlier than we would in most seasons. On the uh, new crop front, the if I talk about the futures, the futures are quite a good discount to the old. It doesn't completely make sense. There is going to be a bigger crop, a marginally bigger crop, this coming year than there is this year. But there's still the same pressures. So I think from a farmer's perspective, I did have a meeting with a, with a grower the other day and who looks after some quite big strategic lumps. And, and he said, what's the price? And I bid him 320 He said, I thought you'd say that. And then he said to me, well, if you'd bid me 340 I still wouldn't sell it. You know, I think that represents the farmer's sentiment to it. And I, I, honestly, I don't blame him. So hold your new crop. But what price What price would you? That, that's the, it's, it's very easy for someone to not think. Oh, it's, it's, it's a throwaway comment. It is a throwaway yeah. comment, but it, it emphasizes the sentiment to it. Yeah, is so, the sen- crop, so the yeah. sentiment is bullish and they're not going to sell it. No. At what point should they say, all right? I think historically, if you go back the last three years, it's been off the combine sellers. And I think that's... Bluntly, until we get there, people won't sell it until they have to when they're confronted with a, I've got rapeseed in my trailer or in my store. Unless it gets 350 and it's a very good price, 350 plus your bonus is 380, everyone will say, actually, I'll do some. Is that enough? Is it? I want 400. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's where we're going to, isn't it? It's, um, I think the sellers, sellers are in a strong position. So hold, hang, hang I, far. Hold. The, I think certainly hands. All right. The point I'm, you know, the point I'm making. It is there is needs thought. I don't mind someone saying I think it's going to go up. I think it's going to go down. I need a reason for their thinking. I need figures, data, and an analysis. I don't need someone blindly pretending they know what they're talking about. I need someone to go right. My target price, because of the the problem with supply around the world, is I want 380 X farm for November with the bonus that'll take me at 400. I'll be happy. I think the yield is under threat and it has had pressure I again going back to conversation with a different grower he normally budgets four and a half tons a hectare he's put his numbers in at three tons a hectare yeah there's fields with great big lakes yeah. in it aren't they so there's five percent of the field that's gone. that's where the price is yeah. going to come from it three three forty three fifty is where they need to be considering their yields okay right so alternative crops because we've got you know the next season Running out of time to plant spring barley, it's too wet. I hate wet. this question. Linseed, what do we do? I don't think there is an answer. I, I still am an advocate of encouraging people to bat on with rapeseed. Okay. I think price will reward it, and hopefully there's enough of a, an incentive to grow it and consider the risk. Okay. Right, that's the market report wound up. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, this week you've got Webby and, Webby and me going to have a little chat about it all just to start the new year off the way we want to carry on. So, Webby, I'd like to start with a little conversation about Norfolk dinner this week. Yeah, exciting. We've got it this Thursday. Yeah, we, we have. Um, funky new venue in the open, Miller Norwich. On paper, yeah, we've got a really good crowd coming. We have. Lots of good beers to be drunk at a very reasonable price. We want you in there from six o'clock. 
drinking the beer because it's been sponsored by people and it's really good local ale. Exactly. And uh, I've been inspired. As I'm chairman of, of the dinner this year, I've got to stand up in front of my peers, which makes me extremely nervous, but I've been inspired by Ricky Gervais. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. I think I know where this is going, I've got a feeling. Yeah. The opportunity of a monologue from hell. <laughs> Nobody cares what you think. <laughs> I wouldn't have the courage, I'm afraid, but I must admit I thought to myself, that that's brave and accurate. I haven't actually seen I haven't seen... Um... Well, you ought to watch it. It's very, very uplifting for the common man. Joachim Phoenix. There was a message from Stella McCartney to Joachim. He apparently is, is going to save the planet by just wearing one tuxedo for the whole awards season. <laughs> and Stella McCartney sent him a congratulations and a kiss. And, as a, and to, to be absolutely blunt, the common man has absolutely no idea what they're talking about. How, you know, my, my dinner suit, unfortunately, had to change as I got fatter. But I had one for about 20 years, and the one I've got now I've had for about, I don't know, 10 You've got one of those elastic waistbands, have you? No, no, my waistband just goes out. My waistline <laughs> goes out. No, no, it's uh, I've obviously kept myself in incredible trim being an ex-model. I've had to do that. <laughs> anyway, so Norfolk dinner, local good beer, £3 a pint. Can't go wrong. So you, you can drink outside the venue beforehand if you like, but it's slightly more expensive. And s- save yourself some space for our for our beer as well. Yeah, come and... Come perfect, and... perfect thing is to finish all of our beer and then... See what the delights of Norwich oh, City yeah. nightlife like. Opens at six o'clock, the bar does, and uh, which is, you know, we'll be in there. But the other thing is that, you know, we've got a little map for people who are a bit younger for after the, the venue. Could be on every table to highlight exactly where to go. Very close by, but it's, you might as well head some if you want to go and see some dancing or, or whatever you want to do. There is a map for young people to, or, for, or, or even old, old swingers who think they can still pull... <laughs> <laughs> I told you last week's podcast was really, really dull. So let's, you know. So it should be all the ingredients. When, when you say dancing, you actually you mean discos, don't you, Andrew? Disco. Isn't that what it's called in your day? Yeah, it was. Yeah, what's it called in this day? In would you know? <laughs> it's called a nightclub, is it? Or is it? Or is it called just somewhere where snowflakes spend all night instead of going to bed? It's <laughs> your favourite subject. It is the snowflake generation, isn't it? <laughs> So Norfolk dinner, Bruce Grobelar, cheap beer, brilliant wine, good venue, got to be good, and we want more people there next year, don't we? Yeah, we want to make it the highlight, the dinner of the year to go to. Dinner of the year. We were talking earlier on between ourselves about strategy for farmers who might want to carry wheat. Mm. It takes a bit more thinking than just going, I'm going to go here. Yeah, I mean, we, we as a business, we're thinking about it, so why don't we relay those thoughts to farmers as well? Mm. Going through the nuts and bolts is... What should be going through your thoughts or through your mind as to should I carry which or not? I mean, whether it's the financial side of things, the logistics or... It's not enough yet. It has to go out another five to seven pounds for it to be financially worth it for us to carry wheat. There's a nine pound difference between May and Nov. Mm. That needs to be probably 16 or 17 pounds for it mm. to be viable. Mm. To spell that out, it's not... The thing that people need to consider is there is a big jump in value between the May and the July. Yeah. So actually, the July old crop to November new crop is four quid carry, would you say? No, not as much as that. No. Yeah, I'd pay 55 for July and I'd pay 57 for November, so two quid. So completely on that, it doesn't, doesn't, yet stack, doesn't up. stack up. Yeah. You've got the, you know, the risks attached with old crop wheat and uh, mixing it with new crop wheat. 
I mean, so there's the financial question is the first one. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, if you, if you take the analogy of a farmer, you know, with two 1,000-ton bays for their product, if you normally have over 1,000 tonnes of wheat, that's quite straightforward. That side of the shed becomes wheat. And the other side of the shed is perhaps winter barley in, out, and then spring barley in, in the remaining bay. And oilseed rape straight from the combine to a third-party store. Just get it going, yeah. So... A year like this one, you're not going to produce enough wheat to fill that side of the bay. Say you're going to produce 700 tonnes of wheat. So maybe, strategically, you've got a good reason to carry 300 tonnes of old crop. Yeah. Good quality, good kilo weight, might be able to blend some lesser quality if, if harvest is unkind, which will be worth pounds. But it fully utilises the store, doesn't it? Yeah. If you still had a few tonnes of winter barley that got planted and you've got an excess of spring barley... You've obviously got to get the winter barley out to accommodate the spring barley. Yeah, to make your store work and the logistics of it at harvest, it's difficult. I mean, maybe from a marketing sense, you might want to hold on to winter barley because that really did struggle in terms of um, area. I'm, I'm really specifically talking about malting barley, malting varieties there, because that may be worth something interesting. Well, won't they switch everything into spring if it's cheap enough? Probably. I mean, at this moment, there's going to be such an enormous spring barley crop that nobody wants to know anything about it. But there's no guarantees of that. We, we, you know, we must keep our eyes open. Marketing opportunities come when everyone expects something else to happen. And I think the hard part with the spring crop potentially, as we saw this year, is where does the spring barley go? Do people struggle to get it off farm because there are limited outlets to go? This year's a classic. There is 25% extra grown, which is the farmer's fault or God. Whoever made to determine the yield was going to be outrageously big, and consequently the price is rubbish, and you can't get rid of the surplus, and and you still can't sell spring barley easily. It's difficult to move. Thinking back to about three months ago, we had a market that's characterised by zero buyers. Mm. Barley sitting on farm, thinking, "Come on, can someone buy my barley?" As merchants, we weren't able to provide a price, and I can not very... for farm grain. We were able to for our store for because the store we have grain. commitment yeah, to, yeah. to, to yeah. monsters. But I, I can see. It. I know it sounds very negative, but I can see it being the same scenario already going forward. That is the lemming mentality. Everybody thinks it's going to be planted, and it, none of it's in the ground. Not one ton. Not old, one old single wise heads. I accept. Yeah, that. No, yeah. But no, you I have to keep that. your eyes open to that and change your marketing position if mm. if that turns around. Last mm. year we had people who committed malting barley sales and then they turned around and said i haven't got my stuff in the ground i want to change my marketing position and we then couldn't get anyone to let us out on the cash settle side the other side of it yeah yeah. it's going to be an interesting thing but back to the point about stores we are strategically selecting the stores we want to keep a load of old crop in if we don't get the opportunity to do that perhaps we won't have all those stores. There's no point me having a store with a crop that is not going to get supplied. Farmers are not going to grow enough to fill our stores. I think it's going to be tough. Does that lead us on to having a conversation about the uh, the crop size, then, Andrew? Yeah. Go on, then. I was very negative to crop size. You were? Um, a month ago, probably mid-December. What and was your crop size, then? Because you've got it on Well, paper. I actually have it on paper. I put 11.2. That's very impressive. I was saying 13. Well, I thought you had had you down as you said to me sub twelve was kind of something. My original, 12. my absolute original said I'd expect it to be thirteen, and I changed it? as the autumn went on. And forgive me, but I'm changing again because it's since four weeks ago when I last discussed this. What's happened? Where where are you now? It's sub twelve, mm. but could be yeah, well sub twelve though. Could at this precise moment, what's actually physically in the ground and the potential yield of it. I think it's sub-10 at this point. I agree with that, But it's all about 
January and February and all of the skyfall people are going to plant <laughs> or whatever seed they're dragging out of their barns without any treatment on it, just chucking. But we haven't, I haven't kept uh, an eye on the country radar, but we in Norfolk have had rain every other night still. Mm. And I can't see, this sounds very morbid, but I can't see many opportunities for growers to drill in even in early Feb now. We need a good frost, boy. That's what we need. That'll dry it out. <laughs> that was local Norfolk for any of the listeners yeah. who are anyone to convert that Norfolk into boys. English. Yeah. Now the point is, we if it gets really cold, it will be suddenly become workable if it doesn't rain straight afterwards. So there is opportunity, and people will still plant it. It's happened before. We are still getting some very late. I say very late, but we are getting late wheat seed orders. We've had some out on farm this week that hopefully will be in by the end of the week, where yeah. the permission. And and, and and if the price of feed wheat is 155 or 57 for November, or 150 for harvest, or 51 or two for harvest, then what okay. is the price of barley? Well, I was going to say, what do you value spring barley at? It's a discount to that. Well, it, uh, well, there is no bid, is there? So let's blindly say 135. Okay. So Everyone's gonna do 20 their level, pounds level a tonne, what's the difference in yield? If you just don't buy the seed and just chuck some stuff out the, out the shed, what is the difference in yield and growing costs when you're planting as late as that? So I would suggest the obvious thing for certain soil types is go for wheat. Yeah. Really good malting barley land, you'll get the same yield and you'll definitely get a low, a very low nitrogen. I, I still cheaper, th- cheaper to grow as well, spring barley? The world doesn't grow barley really good distilling malting barley easily. Norfolk does. So I think you can safely plant it into our area and there will be a demand for the really top end stuff. As we met with a farmer the other day, what difference does it make the more nitrogen you put onto a spring barley crop to yield? Nil. I don't say that surprised me. I haven't I got agree. the experience in the trade, uh, like yourself, but the, um, yeah, sorry, it doesn't. It, do, it just pushes an ocean in, in the grain up. Might alter the yield marginally, mm. but really negligible. So, store planning is based upon, you know, how can you maximise your income for the facilities that you've got? That's what we have to do for a living, and that's what you have to do for a living. And it is a simple get yourself organised, make sure you've got somewhere for your winter barley to go. Can you carry some old crop wheat, especially if that spread goes out so there's at least five or ten pounds a tonne for carrying it? Does your cash flow allow you to do that? I'm sure you can find a way to achieve just, that. Just while we're on the carry conversation, Andrew, the, I mean, we're talking about the carry, and normally in, in our world we talk about a fixed carry, as in you're, you're selling the forwards, aren't you? Mm. Lots of farmers, I'm sure, probably in their mind, are thinking of carrying it open-priced. Ah, no, it's not trading the carry in the same way. point, isn't it? The number of times that people say, I'm not, I'm going to sell it in new crop. And mathematically, the day they make that decision, it's correct. And then you get to new crop, and there's been a bigger harvest somewhere else, like Russia, and the market is much, much lower. They, in fact, lose lots of money by not actually fixing a price for the old crop wheat forward. Yeah. If you are going to carry grain from old crop to new crop and you can see a tangible financial reward for that bearing in mind old crop's been dragged up by new crop already you know if you're selling stuff for 160 let's say for next year and you've been bid you know been trading this year 140 you've won take the victory put the price into a contract don't assume it will stay at 160 that's the point exactly right is it beer time no, not yet. I want to talk about um, something on TV. Oh, God. Steal a Pig. 
meat apocalypse, Channel 4, annihilation of uh, anything to do with farming, and some smuggy little guy smiling at the camera going, saying basically horrible things to everybody. You're going to have to fill me in this. I did, I was on, um, like I said, get as I am. Normally I, I sweep through Twitter late at night just seeing all the, the ag-based uh, tweets. and there was Webby. <laughs> amongst other things. Heavily um, pregnant wife. <laughs> I don't dwell on what you're doing late at night on the internet, Ian. <laughs> but no, I did see um, a couple of uh, hashtag how to steal a pig comments, so I've I've gone and uh, downloaded it to watch this evening. So, I haven't um, watched the steal a pig one. I've seen an advert for it, a floppy-haired, good-looking lad being a hero, stealing a pig and killing a kiss or whatever he's doing with a whole load of heavies or, or people around him, basically terrorising the backside off some poor bugger in the middle of the countryside i've only seen the surface i need to watch so are are they is it in the title they are going and freeing animals physically going into a shed somewhere and they're finding a cute little piggy look how terrible this pig is and they're taking away and hugging it and and he's holding it in the air and he's a real hero i think they need to infiltrate the groovy gang that does that and have a setup so there's an alternative film crew so it can be edited to see exactly the terror they yeah. cause the other direction. That is, that is awful journalism because there's going to be it will motivate quite a lot of people out there to follow those lines. And How long before farmers thought. get injured by people who are indoctrinated mm. by that mm. continuous negative? Mm. This is a real issue. The, 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 we're already under siege in the countryside, and this cheap, lazy journalism and nice, sensational, pleased little girls because they think that boy's good-looking and he's saved a pig, what a wonderful person he is. There's so much more to it mm. than that. This is maybe jumping off the deep end, but, you know, we're talking about the old story, Norfolk uh, story of Tony Martin. Well, Norwich City fans have a, have a chant normally aimed at Scousers and, and uh, live, uh, London <laughs> people, which is, uh, we shoot burglars, we shoot burglars, <laughs> which, which they all think, oh, what a bunch of weirdos, how many fingers are waving at me? But... They think, hang on a minute, do they? And up here, I'm not being funny, if loads of people came on your farm... There's still some very isolated, remote areas, well, not uh, just north, but all so throughout 16 the 16 vans turn up, you think, yeah. who do you think it is? And yeah. they're bursting in, opening your sheds, you know, freeing your animals or whatever. What do you do? You aren't gonna, The police will take probably two and a half days to get there. I think we have just gone to the extreme there, but there will be a lot of aggression that will build up within, I think, the farming community, you know, against the lobbying. <laughs> On the basis of our extreme uh, behaviour towards pig stealing, we'd better drink beer now, wouldn't we? In our dry January period of nil days. <laughs> so we did come up with a non-alcoholic version, but we've, um, we've dismissed that. And we've actually got... So the alcohol version is Sharps Brewery, Rock Cornwall, so trendy area. Adventure series, Coconut Stout, 5.2%. Enticing chocolate and coffee. Uh, luxurious, smooth, mouth-filled, chocolate and coffee undertone. So let's give a go. I'm not, I've got to say, I'm not a stout fan, but... Should we tip the glass? Oh, dear. The usual joke about head. Let's do your own properly. <laughs> it's got a good nose. Mm. Lovely bouquet. Mm, lovely bouquet. I could happily drink that. That's quite nice. Yeah, I'd do that. In fact, I will. Here we go. Yeah. Right. Try January out the window. We've got a USDA today. Yeah, we have. The last one was very flat. Tonight, maybe there's a bit of a chance to get some of the... Well, we're still waiting for a corn surprise, aren't we? No, I'm, I've got to give up on it. If, that, up, if ever yeah. there was the classic wrong I've had the whole year, that it doesn't seem to be coming. The, the corn crop is enormous, even though it had that weather. I, I mean, if they eventually, suddenly in February or March or April, go, oh, it's no, it's, there was actually a lot less. We didn't realise there was mm. snow on the ground, they couldn't harvest it. But there's pictures of people harvesting in the snow, isn't there? 
I mean, we're, we're a tiny area, but we're, we're going through not even the same sort of rainfalls. But you look at our planted area, which is in Norfolk, UK, on wheat, they've had the same scenario. So I'm, I'm still don't know how they didn't revise down the area. They, they've had the, the fifth wettest year ever in the States mm-hmm. across the whole of the country. And some key states in the Mississippi collecting basin um, have had the wettest year ever. They, it's been raining, 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 snowing. So it's now freezing rain at the moment, followed by snow. So there is, a, there is a whole load of weather that's still occurring. Now, lots of the crop is harvested. But they had those terrible floods. And, yeah, I think it was reasonable from our distance to, to make those assessments. But we appear to be wrong. I mean, is, is the corn going to rally today? The pre-report basically says that it's, I think, a, a, an increase in uh, carryover stock, an increase in yield. So it's going to be a slightly bigger corn crop, which should knock the thing back again. Mm. Who knows? I mean, the other, talking about weather events, but the Aussie wildfires. But I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it is devastating. You see the uh, damage done to wildlife, but it's not really affecting any S&Ds, is it, within the grain? I don't know. You, it's, a bit, it's a bit kind of rude to say, is a, has there been any grain stores damaged? Because that's a little bit, like, heartless, isn't it? It's one of those awful things. Well, there's there's but, a whole load of grain that's stored in those plastic sausage things that they do on, you know, yeah, just yeah. which which arguably, if a, if a wildfire goes over the top of that, it's going to gonna melt the plastic. But is I don't know. I have no idea. And there isn't any reports coming. It was a smaller crop anyway, so they're not really the most important. The most important issue at the moment in terms of supply, South America is actually now coming into a very good weather period and they're getting on well with harvest, which is probably undermining corn. But the biggest issue at the moment to watch is the is the Russian-Ukrainian deficit of water over the winter they haven't had any snow cover there doesn't seem to be a winter kill coming it's open it's ready for it if, if it decides to suddenly turn cold then it's bare ground and it, it could it really could come in in february i've seen it before and do some massive damage and that would have a dramatic effect on prices because it is the over 100 million ton russian wheat crop or that area that is going to make the difference and at the moment it is an extreme deficit of moisture Going back to trading, but that really is the area that we should be focusing on, isn't it? Because we're now getting close to import levels within the UK wheat, and that's that's going to determine where our market goes, really. Yeah, well, we are an import country for next season because we haven't planted enough grain. So we, we will be looking to import it, and if the world price is going up because Russia is not going to have that surplus, then our market remains firm. That's what you need to be watching. Anyway, with that happy thought, I hope you're a little bit more awake this week following this week's podcast. Um, And I sincerely hope, just so I can say I knew I was right, that the corn report on USDA tonight storms up 30 cents a bushel and I can just puff my chest out and get moral victory, although it's cost me money. So other than that, thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter we are at Dewing Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 